You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 148 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. This time it's just myself, Chad Melbourne, joined by Casey Abrams. No Harper Cody this evening, but the two of us, Case, are going to just keep on trucking on this episode. We're going to do it uh, together and it's going to be fantastic. We don't even need a third guy. How about that? So just the two of us and uh, it's going to be a great episode. So what we're going to talk about in this episode is we're going to go back 20 years in the past and we're going to pick every single first overall pick in a draft the two of us we're going to each have a team and we're going to do a draft one through 20 and uh you know as if all of these players were in the same draft in the first round in 2023 or something so that's how it's going to be structured yeah then afterwards you can feel free to tell us uh, how much big dumb idiots we are and comment everywhere you want and tell us how we're (laughs) stupid for taking slakovsky twice for a second what yeah I don't know. I don't know. One of those. Anyways, that's what we're going to do. Uh, I got this idea from Jesse Blake of the uh, uh, Steve Dangle Podcast Network. He did it uh, about a week ago, and there was some outrage on on his picks. So hopefully we can make a list that maybe some more people agree with. But the odds of that are pretty slim because everybody has an opinion, and every opinion is going to be heard on social media. But we're going to try it anyway. But anyway, before we do, Case, uh, how are you doing? Doing good. Rolling off a high of this past weekend. I went to the Leafs-Devils game on Thursday. Big dub to make it 11 in a row there in overtime. That was fun. And then we motored on down to Ottawa. Uh, Chad, myself, and Reese Barrett ripped on to Ottawa to to watch that game. The game that the part of the game that we saw was excellent. <laughs> really enjoyable, especially as a Devils fan. 5-1 win to go 12 in a row. Basically, watching that game, I never once felt a threat from Ottawa. I mm. I was like, never threatened that they were going to score or maybe come back even or anything like that. It was just like, yeah, the Devils are kind of practicing here and, and we'll see how it goes. When I was trying to think back of who was standout players watching that game for Ottawa, I was like, I guess Kachuk because he hits. Other than that, yeah. there wasn't much going on. And I don't know. the I thought that team was going to be better. So... That let's talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah, go and ahead. we'll talk about the fact that I don't know if I ever want to go to another game in Ottawa until they're <laughs> downtown or ever. Maybe I don't know because we were, I'll say, inside of a kilometer to the rink at around twelve forty for the one o'clock game, and we got to our seat at one twenty after we got through the ridiculous amount of traffic once we got through a roundabout with 4,800 cars and then we got through you know another intersection and we bought parking ahead because we're like hey let's make this easy on them easy on ourselves we'll get parking through Ticketmaster so we don't have to pay when we get there we just roll right through they say okay you you've got parking and it's for either lot five six or nine we drive in and the first lot of ours that we see is nine it's got a line all the way out the parking spot and we're like, okay, I guess like that doesn't look good. Let's go to six or five. Yeah. Turns out six and five are the last two parking lots that we drive by. We drive by six and a police officer says, I know you see empty spots, but this one's full. Keep moving. We're like, okay, five blocked off. Not a single parking spot left. We get to do all of the traffic again. Isn't that fun? The same route all over again. (laughs) It wasn't fun enough the first time. So let's do all that Ottawa traffic again to get into their rink in the middle of a freaking farmer field. So we missed 14 minutes of the first period. And I'll say for this game is probably a total of 11 hours of driving after we hit, got hit by a snowstorm on the way Mm -hmm. home. And 11 hours of driving to see two periods in five minutes. Yeah. Fucked. Dude, just brutal. That rink, like, the location alone is is just terrible. Like, we've talked about that on the podcast before. But the infrastructure around it, like, the parking situation makes no sense. There's one road, basically, that goes into the 
the the little it's almost like a subdivision i would say like there's a bunch of little roads that kind of go around the rink and there's only one main access road or one main access road that takes the majority of traffic into there that is filtered through this roundabout that no one knows how to drive through anyways in ottawa because it's not a, a city known for being so incredibly hectic especially in canada you know unless there's a game so it was just ridiculous to get in and it's not set up properly and i was telling you like i hadn't been to a game in ottawa in like like a long time like i want to say like seven eight years like it had been a long time and you know so my experience of going to nhl games now is always going to be compared to going to games in toronto which is just completely different completely seamless you don't have to drive to the rink you can take transit there you can take transit home or you can uber and it's it's super easy if you do drive there and and you don't have to like you're a psychopath and i wouldn't recommend it but in ottawa you literally don't have the option not to because it's not downtown so you have to drive and or or you can get to the rink somehow and then try to get a cab afterwards and you talked about you know on the weekend how impossible that was one time when you tried to do it because it's a fist fight and your cab is stolen multiple times your uber gives up on you because they can't get to you it's it's impossible it's just, man, like, I was baffled. Like, what a poverty franchise. Like, and I <laughs> I know that, like, we, we rag on Ottawa and stuff, and their team is supposed to be better, and they're going through ownership changes, you know, for, for obvious reasons. But there's just, like, something has to give here. That rink is not sustainable in the place that it is with the infrastructure around it as it currently exists. Like something has to change in Ottawa or else they're never going to fill that barn on a, on a night to night basis, no matter how good their team is. It's ridiculous. God. Anyway, it's, it's frustrating. You know, I, I like the organization and like they're probably my third favorite team, but man, getting to that rink, that's just no fun at all. Like going back now, it's like, we should have, went an hour early because yeah. that's how long it takes it to get into that rank. And like I said, Toronto on Thursday took the subway to Union, walk around the corner and I'm at the rink. Yep. And you don't have to stress about it. You don't have to find parking. You don't have to pay for parking. It's just a whole different animal. And I know they're different cities and it's hard to compare the infrastructure, but come on, something's got to be done there. You can't take OC Transpo through the roundabout to park on the side and then you know, you still have to walk 500 meters to the rink. Like, it's just the whole setup is just a joke, man. Like, I can't believe that, like, season ticket holders, for example, I can't believe that they have to go through that every time. You know, like, we went to uh, Pro Hockey Life before just to kill some time because we were so early to the game and then we end up being late because of that nonsense. Like, it was just such a piss off, despite the fact that yeah. it was a great game and a great time. Yeah, no, back to the positives. The the yeah. Devils kept rolling, and I was so nervous that I was going to go to two games and see the like the end of the streak. It was going to be my fault somehow. Um, luckily, they won both games. The first one was a little bit of a scare. I got some ribbing by some, some uh, Leafs fans, that's for sure. And then, I mean, they went to overtime. Leafs can't win in overtime. Devils haven't lost in overtime. So they, they kind of rolled right through there, and terrible giveaway to to lead to the devil's uh overtime winner and i don't know I, i'm pretty happy and they're they're going for a baker's dozen tonight playing edmonton i think the score is one one at the moment so we got to get through this episode so i can go watch the third third period yeah true i've got the uh the leafs and isles on right now and the leafs have seven shots to the isles zero and that might be a good thing because eric shelgren is in net uh but they're only seven minutes into the game here so that's they're looking good out of the gate um but let's get into this episode here because we don't want this to be a marathon. We want this to be a bit of a sprint. We're going to draft the most recent 20 first overall draft picks, um, and we're each going to have a team. But before we do that, we're going to do a bit of fantasy corner. So, Case, last week, how did fantasy go for you? Were there any players that kind of stood out and uh, sort of what, what did the week hold? My you know, my week was kind of meh. I only had 159.25 points. Um, my team underperformed this this week but uh connor mcjavids i don't think they set their lineup the first few games or first first few days rather because they only had 119 absolutely clobbered them um i didn't really have anyone really stand out for me but i will give a shout out to 
uh, Nick Paul, who I just traded for, and he got me 15.25 points that week. And once again, going to keep it going. Brandon Montour, why is this guy the best player in the league? What's happening? He's, he's averaging like six fantasy points a night. Yeah. That's insane. I guess like it makes sense stepping up for, for Ekblad, right, in, in Ekblad's absence. You know, he's yeah. got to be. Before Ekblad came back, Montour was uh, fourth in the league in average time, time on ice. Jeez. 26 minutes or something like that. And, you know, we, we kind of ragged on their back end too, but Montour has been a, a steady piece. So what a, what a solid fantasy pickup. Uh, my week last week was right down to the la- the last game, right down to the wire against uh, Nico is our captain. That's LVB, and uh, we had some ribbing going on in the the group chat about this. But it ended up being two thirty three to two fourteen, so it was a close one right up until the final game. Uh, Boone Jenner and Sean Corrali of of Columbus just absolutely carried, dude. Boone Jenner. It, like, let's see how how much rostered he is. He's only forty seven percent rostered, plus eight percent just last week alone. Uh, this guy is currently ranked forty first in our league. Uh, he could be a fantasy pickup if you don't already own him in your league, or if he's not already owned. Like I said, he's only forty one percent there. Um, Thirty seven and a half points uh, for me last last week, and Sean Corrali. I only had him for a game, and he had thirteen and a half. So. Two players who just absolutely went off for Columbus and two guys who are kind of hot right now for that team. So if you're looking for a, a nice little sneaky pickup, those are two guys who aren't owned by many teams. When I was talking to Luke today, I, I told him the funniest part about the, the game on Saturday was listening to you every time Nico gets the puck go, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, score, don't score. He had so many chances. And then every time Hamilton gets the puck, you're like, yeah, get it in, get it in, get in the net. Yeah. <laughs> you're like... Cheering for the Devils, but also rooting against Nico and really pumping up Hamilton. Uh, I just thought it was funny. Yeah, well, Hamilton has to be my favorite player on that team just because I've had the fantasy connection with him for two years now. I love Dougie on on the blue line in fantasy. He's just he does everything. He shoots, he hits, he gets points like power play quarterback, etc. So he's just a god in fantasy. I think I had him ranked as like my my number seven D man going into the season. So he's pretty much lived up to that so far. But yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Nico, like he passed with an open net and that literally could have been the difference in the week. I mean, then I got Sean Corrali and he put up 12 points or whatever in a game. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, anyways, it was it was fun seeing that and fantasy makes everything a bit more fun too. something uh, just to wrap this up. I realized I didn't do this last week for fantasy corner, but I need to shame the bottom five teams in the league because uh, there are a few teams that are just still getting blown out of the water every week. Two teams who are still undefeated, or, or sorry, who still have yet to get a win. So the opposite of undefeated. They are only defeated. Uh, so we'll go <laughs> rank 20th. Uh, 20th in the league, Jake Slam Dunk team. Number 19, Eichel Tower. Number 18, I took the walk to Poland. Uh, number 17, Mail Order Brides. And number 16, and kind of surprising because I thought he had a, a good squad at the start of the season. And I know he's a fantasy uh, uh, guru, if you will. He, he plays quite a bit, at least to my knowledge, is Book Hockey in 16th. So a few teams at the bottom there have their work cut out for them. Just a reminder that only the top eight teams in our league make the playoffs. And there's 20 teams. So even though there's a lot of work uh, ahead of us, a lot of weeks. There's there's still some uh, so, some tension down there. There's some teams who need to make some moves and start winning because it's going to be a tight race and every week is going to be difficult. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Winter is back and whether you're playing pond hockey or nursing an eggnog hangover this holiday season, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. It's made with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors too, but my personal favorite is lemon lime. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth. That's 20% off anything when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. 
This podcast is sponsored by the ticket app SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes all the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. So there you go. That's Fantasy Corner. Case finally. Let's get into the episode topic uh, for today. We're going to redraft the last 20 first overall picks. Um, as you know, the most recent one being uh, Yuri Slavkovsky of the Montreal Canadiens. And we're going to go all the way back to 2003. So the last 20 years. And in 2003, it was Marc-Andre Fleury. So before we get into it, I'm going to do a quick uh, random number generator just to see who gets first pick, Okay. So you're going to be number one and I'm going to be number two. I've got the random number generator here just to, to prove to you, Case, I'm not cheating. And here we go. Number one. Did I say you were number one or I, or I was number one? I think you said I was number one, but I'm actually not sure. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll go, we'll go with that like it matters anyway. So you're number one. You've got the number one pick and you're on the clock. Of all the last 20 first overall picks, who are you taking number one of the bunch? Man, that I was kind of hoping I wasn't going to get number one because I think this is actually the hardest pick for me. That the first two guys here flip a coin, I'd be pretty happy. But I'm going to take Crosby. I, I, I've got to do it. He's 1.29 points per game or whatever he is at now. Now he could be better, could be worse. That's just the last stat I have on him, and I, I got to take him because he's won three cups. And it only yeah. took him four years to get his first one or three, four years. So that's one thing you can't say McDavid's done. And who knows if he's going to do that? Uh, he might be the best player in the league uh, every year for the next six years. But is he going to win a cup? Crosby has three of them. And he he's the, regarded as the best player in the league for, you know, 10 years so or more. So I, I got to go with Crosby. He He's a leader on the ice and off the ice good guy um i have to say like you know what would his career be without so many injuries uh that's one thing you got to take into account here but uh i think we're going to be drafting based off injuries included and i I still think crosby's the best player yeah okay that's a little bit of a controversial pick i would say i think you're right to say that it's between the two guys that you mentioned him and mcdavid um but i guess maybe we should clarify before we move on like we should be making these picks, I think at least, and, and let me know if, if you think something differently, but I think we should be making these picks based on how we think things are going to end, how we think their careers are going to progress in a way like by the end of their career, who do we think is going to be the, the, the better player between the two? So that's how I'm kind of envisioning it. Is that kind of how you're like on the same track there? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page there because I am there's a couple players here that I want to draft for potential, right? When it when it comes down to the nitty gritty, I'm going to be thinking about where they're going to end up. I just, I you know, I have a hard time thinking that McDavid's going to win more than three cups, considering mm-hmm. he doesn't have one at the age of 25. Okay, fair enough, and that's a consideration uh, that I, I guess we, you know, it, it needs to be said, it needs to be mentioned. The the cups matter. And, uh, you know, it's not only individual play here. Cups do matter, but it's just it kind of depends on how much you want to weigh each one. But, okay, I'll go number two, and I think it's a slam dunk for me with McDavid. I think I was going to take one or the other uh, of the guy that you didn't pick. McDavid has just been incredible since he's come into the league. Um, Even in in his rookie year, I know he didn't win the Calder, uh, mostly because he was injured. Uh, and Artemi Panarin had a great year, but McDavid has just been electric since he entered the league. It's funny, the conversations we have now about things like the scoring title and whatnot, you know, you you talk about a player having a really good year, an incredible year, and you can't even say that just alone. Like, you have to mention the fact that he's being compared to McDavid because you just assume that Connor McDavid is always going to be at the top of the league scoring list um, no matter what. He's just automatic. So it's like, for example, you can say, okay, Kirill Kaprizov, he might have an incredible year. He could win the Hart Trophy, right? Like, say he gets 95 points and brings Minnesota to a playoff spot. 
he won't win the Art Ross <laughs> because McDavid exists. Like he's almost that automatic for me. So I think at number two, it's uh, the safe and, and easy pick. Uh, it's definitely the number two for yeah. sure. But yeah. I'm I still want to stick with Crosby. You know, I think it was his McDavid's third year. Maybe he he had a year in that he brought in so many trophies and um someone in the media scrum after mentioned to him you know hey you've got more trophies than Sidney crosby this year and he says well i'd trade all of his for the one he has yeah and it's like yeah that's that's exactly it i mean three stanley cups and two con smiths like those are the most important trophies you can get other than the like more so than the ted Lindsay and the art ross in my mind because when you're drafting for for your franchise would you rather draft for the winner or the guy who scores a lot i know scoring a lot leads to winning but it hasn't for mcdavid yet i think he'll get a cup before the end of his career i pray he gets he a cup better. before the end of his he year better. or at the end of his career but i just, again i just don't see him getting th- more than 3 yeah yeah i mean these two are going to be tied to each other forever right because they were the two most incredible prospects two most incredible canadian prospects uh you know coming out of their draft year and they both lived up to their potential and then some you know you couldn't have asked for anything more from sid or mcdavid i guess you know with connor you're expecting some cups in the future maybe that'll happen when he signs in toronto in a couple years but yeah those are the number one and two um Let's move on to number three. Okay, I I was torn at this one as well, and I think I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to take Ovi. I'm going to take the greatest goal scorer to have ever lived. Yeah. Um, this guy is the only one even who, who could even be questioned to reach Wayne Gretzky's record for goals scored. No one in this group will ever do it um, other than him, and he's been an absolute force since he he first came into the league and man this guy's been fun to watch and he's got that cup to his name and i think it, it was it wasn't until that cup year that he really lit the league on fire and and showed his his true true worth and that is as a winner and as a competitor so yeah best goal scorer to ever live i'll take him yeah, that's an easy pick too. That's who I had going at number 3 Ovechkin. Um it's hard to compare Ovechkin to a lot of other players on this list because he just brings so much more than just, you know, the goal scoring and and leadership. Like he plays a physical game that you don't see a lot of number 1 overall picks bringing and uh you know, I I'm glad that you mentioned that the conversation changed after he got his cup because that really is the case you know like before 2018 when the Washington Capitals won the cup it was kind of you know you talked about Ovechkin in a different in a different breath than you talk about Crosby because Sid had three you know they were both so good Ovechkin actually won the Calder in the year that they both came into the league and I think he had like four or five more points than than Crosby or something and they've both been so electric and I believe now they're like within a couple points of each other in their careers which is insane I know Sid's done it in like a hundred less games or whatever but these two players are are so incredible and Ovechkin at number three is a no-brainer for me I mean the fact that he plays the way he does and you know throws his body around so much and fights and yet he's played over 1200 games is so impressive and then you know i'll just throw this out here out here nine rocket richard trophies <laughs> change the name of the trophy yeah. to alex ovechkin like yeah come on. now this is a trivia question that i don't currently have the answer for but i'm just oh, wondering good. how yeah so this is what everybody loves when they listen to podcasts yeah, send questions good uh how many rocket richard trophies does rocket richard own how many scoring titles did he win how many goal scoring titles did he win because if ovi won more like dude put name it the ovi trophy come on you have to i'll i'll google it on the side here but okay i've got something else i I doubt it's nine it's it can't be nine i've got something else though like you know the gordy howe hat trick i saw this the other day gordy howe only had two in his career the guy who has the most i believe was brendan shanahan who had like 17 or something so it's just one of those things you know a player's known for something but you know at the same time some some guy five times well there you go there you go so it's it's the ovi trophy at this point and when he retires they should rename it that especially if he uh catches 
uh, Gretzky in, in his record. There. Oh yeah. So and I think he will. Um, remember a couple years ago when we thought Ovechkin was done, like when he scored thirty six goals or whatever, and we were like, "This is the beginning of the end for Ovechkin," and then he just pots fifty now yeah, every like, oh, year. Here's fifty. <laughs> <laughs> here's fifty more. Oh, I have what a hundred and twenty or something more goals to score to win the uh, to to pass Gretzky. Sure, I'll do that in two years. Like. Yeah. Anyway, put me on the power play in my spot when I'm 42 and just use me there and I'll score 50. Yeah, just a mutant. Okay, we got to speed this up here. This is fun, though. The first obviously the first like five or so are going to be the most fun to talk about um, and the easiest to talk about. Um, Number four. And I I don't know if this was the player that you were considering at number three, but I don't know. Maybe this is just. This is just Toronto media bias here, but I'm going to go with Austin Matthews at number four. I think out of these 20 players, Austin uh, will be remembered at the end of his career as the fourth best. And depending on how long he plays, you know, injuries and and health is a big part of that. But depending how long he plays, he could definitely challenge, uh, you know, for most goals in the league. I know that's a long time in the future here, but if he continues his ridiculous pace, um, you know, I could definitely see that. Nobody scored more goals since he entered the league than him uh, in 2016. So it's just been incredible to watch him and to have a true, uh, you know, bonafide superstar in Toronto is is just incredible. And I think number four pick makes sense for Austin Matthews. I think it's a good pick at number four. It's not who I had at number four, so I'm happy here. But okay. Yeah, I, I got to give it to Matthews. You know, if they need to change the trophy f- for a second time, then you could probably call it the Matthews in, you know, seven years. He, he's going to win so many of these and he'll be the next best goal scorer in the league. Yeah. And then to mention, you know, the guy is a thief on the ice. The amount of takeaways he has every single year, you know, he, he's a threat everywhere and teams are noticing for sure more than ever now and, and they have to try to shut him down. And that that is a talent in itself because that draws so much attention away from other guys in the team, guys like Martyr and Tavares and Nylander, whoever's not playing on his line. Well, they get freed up and and, and that's why this team wins so many games this year is, is hit, or every year is him scoring and drawing the attention away. Um, let's just get some cops, right? I mean, that, I, think, I think we, we had... We had a little different mindset on, on drafting here because my now that next you say player that, has won many cups. Yeah, now <laughs> that you say that, I think I know exactly who you're you're gonna pick. Um, but okay, let, let's hear it at number number five. Yeah, I'm gonna take. You just took an American. Well, I'm gonna take arguably the best American to ever play. Um, I've I've heard that a lot, and I wouldn't disagree. I'm gonna take Patty Kane, another guy with three cups to his name. Such a competitor this guy is. Like. Mm-hmm. I feel like I get every year you just see him scoring in the playoffs and and how many playoff points he had and and how crucial he is every single year in the playoffs. He's just under a point per game in 136 playoff games. Like, wow, this guy's a gamer. And, you know, think about hands, like some of the best hands who have ever played. And he's just a, a playmaker. He can put the puck in the net. He does it all. He's just so good. Um, they're comparing Jack Hughes to him. And I was like, as soon as they said that, I'm like, good, take him. I love him because yeah. Patty Kane on my team. I would love that. And this is something, you know, I, I think about this with OV and Crosby too. Um, I mean, every player we've drafted so far has only been with one team, but when you're looking back and drafting, you think about loyalty and a guy who's been on the same team his whole career. I, I think that that matters in this draft to me. And Patty Kane is, is, I mean, as loyal as it comes so far. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see him getting flipped, but I don't know if Chicago will even do it, you know, at this point. Like, if they were going to do it, it should have been last season. But, I mean, I guess we'll see. At this point in his career, man, he's on he's on the back nine, and he has been for a while, but he's still consistently putting up incredible numbers, just like Sid, just like Ovi. So it's great to see that, you know. I mean, 92 points last year. Yeah, 34 years old, 66 assists, and on a not good team. That's the thing. He doesn't have the same kind of cast and crew that you know some other guys at the top have to you know to give him the puck or or to 
you know, bad in tap-ins that Patty Kane gives you on a platter. So uh, that's a good pick. And I know that it seems like you're placing a little bit more of an emphasis on the cups, which fair enough. Like that's, I think that's a, a an important thing. Um, I, I'm trying my best to include that as well because I know how important it is, but I'm also trying my best to really pick the best player. And that's kind of my tiebreaker between the two if they've got cups or whatever. I think and, I think by the by the end of this next pick, you're gonna have one cup and I have seven. <laughs> yeah, true, eh? True. But the careers aren't over yet. No. So that that's the thing. It's like hundred percent. It's like, you know, if if whoever picks Jack Hughes you know, New Jersey could win four cups in a row, you know, they're gonna, so who knows <laughs> this year. But, um, yeah, so that's, that was pick number five, right? Yep. Uh, okay. So number six, I'm going to go with a guy who actually just won the cup. And I think I, you know who I'm talking about. It's Nate McKinnon, the Nate dog first overall in 2013. Um, he's been a, a fantastic player in the league. It took him a little longer than some of these other guys to kind of establish himself as, as a true, you know, world-class player. And now, you know, depending on who you ask, but you know, most people will have him as the top five or one of the top five best players in the league right now. And depending who you ask, it could be as high as number three. So, like, he's incredible. And I he's, push for two. I don't know about that. Do it. Well, the, I, like last year and this year? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, sure. There is an argument. But what I'm saying is the majority of people have him in their top five. I would say a large number of people have him in their top three. And I guess you can make the argument for uh, top two. And well, it's I funny. Have three, but I'm saying yeah. the arguments there. Uh, yeah, someone could make the argument for it. But yeah, Nate McKinnon finally got his cup. He's been a true leader. Like we've, we've heard the stories of him holding his teammates accountable and everything. Um, you know, like I said, it took him a little longer than some of these other players to really establish himself. But now, you know, he's finally going to get his 100-point season this year. You know, knock on wood, barring any injuries. But uh, he's just been incredible. And he steps it up in the playoffs every single year. So I think that's uh, something to consider, too. So Nate McKinnon at number six. Yeah, I mean, he, another thing to consider is he always takes a team-friendly salary. Yeah. Team friendly, highest paid player. That didn't happen. (laughs) I I just have to poke fun at that because everyone's like, oh, he's going to take a team friendly deal. Like, look at his last deal. Oh, highest paid player in the league. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I had McKinnon at six, so kicking the nuts for me, but he's the guy and uh, he just won his first cup. And I think there's opportunities for more with that team. That's for sure. So that's a good pick there and a, a good pick, not only for, you know, one of the best players in the league, but also for potential. He's not, he's a young guy yeah, still. So it's true. I mean, so are Matthews and McDavid, but McKinnon right there with them. So yeah. Holy shit. Imagine how good that team would be right now. My team. Uh, McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon. That oh my god. Okay. Yeah, my team's a little older, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, let's see your number seven case. Who you got? Okay, well, I'm gonna stick with the old train here, and I'm gonna take the guy who won the two cups previous to the last one. If that's how you say that correctly. Yeah. Steven so. Stamkos. Um, talk about a leader captain of this team for what feels like forever now he just won two cups with them uh prolific goal scorer 60 goal season like that's i mean matthews and that's pretty much it so absolutely love this player uh you know he, he he missed the playoffs for for the one cup but he did get in there um Wait. Scored his goal. He scored, scored his, his goal. goal. Yeah. Yeah. Remember he came yeah, back right. for one yeah, shift. Yeah, yeah. He scored yeah. one goal. <laughs> um, people think about injuries when they think about Steven Stamkos, but I say think about two cups and over a point per game player for 940 games. Like, yeah. what, what more can you ask for in the leader of your team and, and one of the, the best Canadian guys to do it? Well, I was asking for something a little more from Stamkos, actually, and that was for him to score 500 goals, 500 assists for 1,000 yeah. points on the same night. I thought that would have been perfect to cap off his 1,000th point. It didn't end up happening. He reached the assist mark before yeah. the goal mark. And, uh, you know, that was something that he actually commented on. He, he said, 
I don't know if he was an oppressor or what, but I remember reading the quote of him saying, oh, you guys thought I was a goal scorer. Well, look which number I hit first. It was the <laughs> assist mark at 500. So he said, I can do it all. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, just, just an incredible player. That's who I had at number seven as well. Um, and, you know, since 2008, like he was kind of another guy similar to McKinnon where, you know, he was so highly touted coming into the league was kind of forced into the league not that they weren't good enough but kind of you know playing in a league back then that was a little tougher and a little harder to create space as a younger player struggled a bit out of the gate but then you know after a season or two really put it together and now he's one of the best leaders um you know in the history of the game really you can make that yeah. argument you know the the back-to-back cups three times in a row stanley cup final like he's just a warrior and uh yeah there's not enough good things to say about steven sam coast good pick at number seven uh number eight i'm between two players here and neither have won any cups so that's not something that is is really uh you know hindering me in making this decision it's really one player who is pretty fresh into the league and one player who has been in the league for a while um, I'm going to go with the older guy here who's proven that he's, you know, a, a more consistent player. I'm going to go with John Tavares. Uh, first overall pick in 2009. Very similar stats to a guy we were just talking about in Steven Stamkos, aside from maybe one huge breakout year like Stamkos had last year or when he scored 60 in 2012. Tavares has been one of those guys who is, you know, basically a point per game, maybe just shy, and uh, he can score, he can pass the puck. He's been a leader on two different teams. Uh, he had exceptional status to the OHL, which, you know, we're not talking about OHL careers, but that's, you know, something that adds to his pedigree. The one thing that's missing for Tavares, obviously, is is a cup. But I think at the number eight pick, uh, it's pretty fair to have a guy like Tavares up there. But I will say this wasn't an easy one because I was between a few players. What are your thoughts on Tavares at number eight? Yeah, he this there's a grouping of four guys that I was willing to take here and he is one of them. Um yeah, the kind of the consummate professional out of the group here and definitely the oldest guy out of the 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 group of four I have here. Um we're we're yet to see this guy win a cup. Um he switched over to his hometown team and and he'll probably never win a cup because of that. So <laughs> that's unfortunate, but uh this guy is the true leader and uh, Point machine just scored his 400th goal the other night. Um, yep. I don't know how you can score 400 goals and seem to skate so slow, but <laughs> he gets it done. And yeah, he, he's, I don't know. Yeah, you can't say too much bad about John Tavares, except the eye test sees him as not the fastest. Yeah, he's definitely a guy who has never been a great skater, even when he was, you know, a rookie in Long Island. Um, but he's just a guy who consistently gets lost in the offensive zone and finds areas to put pucks in the net. You know, I don't know if he'll ever get back to scoring 47 goals like he did in his first year with the Maple Leafs playing with Mitch Marner. But, you know, he is having a great year for the Maple Leafs this year. And I saw a stat the other day, um, and it was in his first 300 games with the Islanders. He has almost the same amount of points as his next 299 games with the Maple Leafs. He actually has a few more points with the Maple Leafs. So he's just a model of consistency. And, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say that a lot of these players are Hall of Famers. I've always thought of Tavares maybe on the outside looking in. I think if he gets that that cup, um, he, he's got to be a Hall of Famer. He's one of those guys who is just, you know, he, he's done basically everything you can ask from him except for win a cup so hopefully that comes in the future yeah um for this next pick i don't i don't know what i want to do like honestly i feel like uh trading down for for a couple picks <laughs> i know or something right? because there's this weird little gap and in this weird little grouping i don't know if i should throw some biasness in here or what i should do but uh this is where things get sticky for me for sure um there's like five guys that i'd be willing to take here again uh so I think in that case, oh God, I'm going to, I'm going to draft Rasmus Dahlin. Wow. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to stick the box in my back pocket. 
I'm going to take Dylene, 22 years old. This guy is already the horse for his team. He logs the toughest minutes on this team, and, and they suck, and they have for his whole career, yet he's showing up every night being that um, that minute eater, and he gets his points. We looked back the other night. We forgot he had 44 points in his his or his um, rookie season, and yep. he's continuing to do so, especially this year of 20 points in 17 games so far. I think that this is the first one where I'm really drafting off of potential because right now, I I mean, I like Heischer better for, for the career he's had so far, but I think that Dalene might have the edge on potential if, if I really have to be honest. And the fact that he's a defenseman adds a lot of value here. He's a guy that you want to have on your top pairing. And um, I don't know. I felt like I had to pick him because I don't want to be biased. <laughs> See, like... I also feel like that's why you picked Dalene, but I'm shocked that the guy that you mentioned was he sure. I thought it would be another New Jersey Devil who I had on my list, actually, a spot higher than Dalene, someone who I, I thought would make a lot of sense for this pick. Um, do, okay, let me ask you this question. I was comparing Dalene and he sure because, I don't know, they've been in the league longer together. Okay. I would take Hughes over he sure. Okay, well, that's. I, I was going to ask you that. Let me ask you this. At the end of their careers, the end of their respective careers, you know, in, in 15 years from now or whatever, who do you think will leave behind a greater legacy? Rasmus Dahlin or Jack Hughes? Uh, Jack yeah. Hughes. I, I fudged my pick here. For See, a, like that's. I just. I, can, can I go back because I picked on Biden? No, oh, you can't. Fuck. Now my team is going to look stacked uh, because I'm going to take Jack Hughes with my number 11 pick. I think yeah. it's number 11. I've kind of lost track here, but uh, we're, we're going through here. Anyways, 11, I, don't know. I think it's 11. Yeah, God, can't even do simple math here. But yeah, Dalene, yeah. let, me, let me touch on Dalene first because he's a player who I, I really, really love um, and I have since he's come into the league. I think he was underrated in his rookie year and he continues to be underrated um, as a first overall pick because I think as a forward it's very easy to measure a first overall pick when they're a forward, right? You look at them, you look at their production, and there's a certain standard that you're held to. It's like, can you score a point per game, yes or no, as a forward first overall pick coming into the league? If not, well, you're not going to be held in the same kind of conversation as if you are. For a defenseman, though, it's kind of more difficult to evaluate for a few reasons. Defensemen just take longer, in general, to kind of get up to speed to the NHL. I would say in general, that's been a trend that we've seen. Um, and also, you can't really evaluate defensemen on points unless you're giving out the Norris Trophy. So I don't really know like how else you're supposed to do it. And for that reason, I think defensemen who get picked first overall get forgotten about. But Dalene is a guy who is so important to his team. And I think if he wasn't there, the Sabres would look totally different He's been my fantasy uh, horse now for a couple seasons. He plays a ton of minutes, tough competition, uh, does some things with the puck that nobody else in the entire league can do, um, and he, he's just incredible. With all that being said, I do think Jack Hughes is the better pick, and that's who I'm going to go with. Jack Hughes, this is a player who I wanted to take before Tavares, actually, on, on the last pick. I was between the two of them, um, and I think you not trying to be biased really hard uh, kind of fudged your pick a little bit because you didn't want to be seen as the biased devil guy. But, like, to be honest, I think Hughes well, is the pick. I, I, I do too. But honestly, <laughs> I, I was thinking about biasness, and then one thing I had in my head that I was comparing Victor Hedman and Nikita Kucherov and who I'd rather have on my team, and uh, I picked Victor Hedman here, so... Uh, I went with Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, Hughes is going to score over 100 points multiple times in his career. I just... I, I I was trying to find the value here in in the defenseman, in the high potential. I think they both have close to the same potential. And uh, I went with a defenseman who's going to be you know, close to a point per game at some point in his career and hard to play against. I just think of him as a Victor Hedman type player. And I think of Hughes as a Kucherov or... I'd hope that he turns out to be a Kane instead of a Kucherov. Yeah. Something I didn't mention about Kane uh, that I wanted to bring up was what a what a win for undersized players in the league. You know, it, like proving that you can be one of the best in the league 
and not have to play a physical style of game like that he kind of changed the game really like i don't mean to overstate this but being a smaller guy um and coming into the league as a number one pick you know whereas traditionally you would fall in the draft if you were undersized so that's just something great to say about kane but yeah going back to jack hughes here like i think it's a no-brainer for for this pick he's you know one of the players who i think will score a boat ton of goals and and get a ton of assists as well uh he's just a player who is always going to be on the board he's going to be a leader in the dressing room he's not afraid to speak his mind and i love that obviously there's a lot of runway ahead of him here in his career you know he's only just begun but i think uh at the end of the day when all of these players are retired when it's all said and done i think uh uh he'll be remembered as as one of the best here and i think it's we're having a hard time keeping track of where we're picking these guys, but I think it's number 12 or or 13. So I think it makes sense to take Hughes here. I think on every draft board I had going here, I had Hughes, then Heischer, right back to back. And, and that is me, you know, loving both these guys equally and, and having to give one guy the edge and I give it to Hughes. So I'm going to take Heischer right now. He's my favorite player on the team. He's the leader of this team. They've talked so much about how he's taken the locker room this year by the reins and and is really showing um, his maturity. And and you can see it in press conferences too. Like he was just talking today saying like, you know, we've been talking as a team and we're just trying to keep the hype down. You know, we're trying to keep the hype down. We just want to get better as a team. You're on a 12 game heater, as Jack would say. And they're just talking about being a better team than they are already so absolutely love that he's been so solid in his first few years you know he hasn't doesn't quite have the points that you might want from him other than his his rookie season and then last year he really showed up uh 60 points in 70 games 21 goals he he really improved and then this year nine goals and 10 assists in 17 games he's been phenomenal he's been absolutely like I, I don't know how to say it. The all-around play. Every time he's yeah. on the ice, the team is better. And it shows in that, I think, in any uh, game that he has a point, they're 14-0. and 0, And on top of that, they haven't lost since he's played. Or they've lost one game, sorry, since he's played this season. So the guy's been incredible, and he's going to continue to get better. I, I see, you know, close to 100 points in, in a season in the in the future for this guy. And... On top of that, there's going to be a Selkie or two in his future, maybe later in his career when he gets a little more recognition for it. It seems like you have to have a history to win the Selkie. So I think as he gets more votes every single year, he's going to get closer to getting that. His two-way play is phenomenal. He's in the the conversation this year already. And um, it's amazing what, what the future that he can have. Yeah, he sure is a guy who gets underrated, I think, around the league among first overall picks because he doesn't have the points that, you know, you would you would expect of a first overall pick or not even that you would expect, but when comparing him to other first overall picks, especially some of the guys who entered the league and just tore it up right away, like McDavid, Crosby, Ovechkin, Matthews, etc. So um, he gets underrated a bit for that reason. His two way game is incredible. The Selkie conversation, I'm glad you mentioned that because he's going to be in the running once he kind of establishes that pedigree. Um, You know, he's been in the league now for a while, and I think to some of the most keen-eyed fans, you know, you kind of already know that Heischer's in that conversation. But we'll wait a few more years for the the hockey writers to catch up and and vote on it for the Selkie uh, trophy race. But, yeah, that's a good pick there. I think, you know, there are a few other players who I would consider – to take before him uh but i don't mind that pick for he sure at uh, the spot you took him at next i'm going to take mark andre fleury first overall pick in 2003 going with a goalie a tough one here but i think a necessary pick to take a goalie who has three stanley cups um made the game clinching save in his first one against detroit uh that was an incredible series to watch you know, going back when, when I was a kid and like just a, a guy who's been in the league for so long, beloved by his teammates, has those three cups, like I mentioned, uh, and really has gotten it done at every point of his career. 
except for you know the in the playoffs a couple times he's start he's been the starter and been you know had his position taken away from him from a backup goalie uh like matt murray did but the thing is he's always been solid he's put up great numbers through his career and uh just a great guy first overall pick 2003 what do you think of that one case yeah anytime you can get close to a thousand games out of a goalie picking first overall and that record and then you know what he can do in the playoffs you know it it got stolen from him twice but you can't you can't forget what else he did and and what he did to get them there so yeah there's there's a lot of value in having a goalie that can can get you over 500 wins yeah and underratedly too carried vegas to the cup final in their inaugural season so that's something that you know and i know they had a tandem of of him and laner uh when he was in vegas but for the most part, he was the guy. He got his Vesna trophy as well, um, just a couple seasons ago. Was it was it last season that he won? Or no, two seasons? Yeah, two seasons ago. But yeah, just a guy who has pretty much done it all. Um, so I, I'm pretty confident with taking Flurry there as the first uh, and only goalie of the list. Yeah, it, I mean it makes sense. I actually had him. I had him pretty high, and last second I just started kind of knocking him down, knocking him down, knocking him down. And I think at one point I had him around eight, honestly. And uh, yeah. he, he dropped pretty far for me, but that's mostly because I, I started thinking more about potential, I guess, or something like that. And, and you know, got went down a rabbit hole, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm doing the math here. We're on pick number 13 now, Case. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, uh, we're just so 12. good at counting. Yeah. Okay. So we're on. We're on thirteen, and it's to you. Who are you taking thirteenth out of the twenty here? Who? Uh, I'm torn. Two guys. Once again, uh, I really don't know where I want to go with this. I think I've got to go with Taylor Hall. Yeah. Um, good pick. There's two guys that I could have taken here, and and I would have been happy. I think that people. Because he's moved around so much, people undervalue Taylor Hall when they talk about these lists. But he's had a great career. Like his point scoring pace has been steady throughout his career. He's not a point per game player, but I think he plays enough of a two way game and enough of a, a full 200 foot game that you can be okay with him being a first overall pick and below a point per game. He had a heart season like there's a lot of guys on here that that can't say that and like people also undervalue his heart because he had like 92 points or something like that i've 93 points and it's like yeah but no one on that team was even close to him like nico heischer was 20 points behind him and was the next closest guy or something like that um he carried that team to the playoffs and that is the value in taylor hall is that he can carry your team when he needs to uh starting to quiet down a little bit now um i mean he still has 12 points in 18 games but he's he's in the shadow of boston there's a there's a lot of superstars on that team and they're the best team in the league currently other than new jersey devils so um had to throw that in there yeah uh still i think he can be really happy with this guy's career uh i would have liked to see him win a, a cup and this might be his his season so yeah that's a good pick uh at number 13 there i was between two players um you took one of them so the next guy i'm gonna take is aaron ekblad 2014 first overall pick um and actually before i talk about ekblad let me ask you a question going back to 2010 um, you know, after seeing the kind of season that we're getting out of Tyler Sagan this year and the production that he's put up over his career and a Stanley Cup, who would you pick first overall, Taylor Hall or Tyler Sagan? I'm taking Taylor Hall. Yeah, I I think I might take Sagan, to be honest, but I think it's close. I think it's really close. And it's one of those things that, you know, it was a conversation at the draft and it's still a conversation today because they went one and two and that was the whole story going into the draft and that's been the whole story of their whole career. So, yeah, just wanted to ask that. But, okay, Ekblad is my 14th pick uh, out of 20 here, drafted in 2014, first overall. I think just another uh, guy who is 
quietly been very, very good. He had his breakout year for Florida last year, really, I guess you could say. Um, he was one of the best defensemen in the league, but he's always been steady. Uh, he's always given you everything you need uh, out of a, a number one defenseman on your team. He plays a physical style. He can put up the points. He can quarterback a power play. He kind of does it all. So I'm pretty confident uh, with the players remaining here that Ekblad is the best of the bunch at number 14. What do you what do you think about that pick? That's uh, that's the guy I was I was trying to choose between was was Hall and Ekblad. I just kind of got wrapped up in injuries when I was looking at Ekblad, and yeah. so I went with Hall. But either of those guys would have been fine at this pick for me. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, talk about a guy like talk. Like with Darlene, you, you undervalue defensemen. Well, this guy plays the toughest minutes in the league I, every year. So he's so valuable, and we saw it in the playoffs or at the end of the year when he went down with injury. It was like yeah. this team is a different team without Aaron Eckblad. Unless, and suddenly Brandon Montour's Aaron Eckblad 2.0. But. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I thought it was a good pick. He does everything, plays physical, blocks shots, like, puts up points like he's he's just solid you know as a first overall pick you would maybe expect something a little more like if you were to get a forward you expect elite scoring but as a defenseman you know what more really can you ask for out of a guy like Aaron Ekblad so I thought that was a good pick at number 14 yeah um this this is where it starts getting sketchy you know, get the, your crystal ball out um I, I hemmed and hawed here, and I'm going to take one guy who has doesn't have this one thing in common with the rest of the last 10 picks. I could have said that better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Try again. You, you, okay. You're allowed. Um, <clears throat> the, last 10, the last 10 picks all have something in common with each other except for Lafreniere. They were all drafted to shit teams. <laughs> okay. Fair did enough. I, did I do well? Yeah, that um, makes sense to me. That's how I want to set this pick up because I think that he has the highest ceilings, it's the highest ceiling out of the last three first overall picks. And I think that the result of his first few seasons and, and kind of the lack of scoring and the lack of playing time is, is all because he was drafted to the New York Rangers who at the time when they got the pick, they were a good team. They, they yeah. won the lottery and now... I mean, they were even way better the next season when he was with them. So he got shafted in ice time and, and kind of sheltered like crazy. But I still think that this guy has a ridiculously high ceiling. He has QMJ and HL numbers similar to Sidney Crosby. And I think he, he's a horse for every team he plays for. So I think it's a matter of time before he's lighting it up for the Rangers. Or, I mean, I would love for them to trade him so that I could root for him. So... Wherever he is, he, he's going to be a horse for that team eventually, and I, I think that the sky is the limit for him. Yeah, I also had Lafreniere at number 15, uh, but it wasn't easy because, like you mentioned, you know, we haven't really seen uh, all that there is to see of Alexi Lafreniere. You know, we've, we've seen him in the league for a couple years now. He hasn't produced uh, to the level that we thought he was capable of. You know, he's produced at an absolute elite level at every level of hockey he's played except for the NHL so expect that to come soon but like we've mentioned a bunch of times on this podcast you know he hasn't played as much as you know maybe you would like him to he's played less minutes of any first overall pick in the last decade on a time on ice per game basis so that's saying something right there and I think you're right Casey that's something to do with being drafted to a, a good team so you know, if we see him play a bit more, get some more opportunities, you know, like we've seen this year to start the season, I'm going to be honest, he's played a bit in the top six. They have reunited the kid line, that third line of him, Kako, and uh, Philip Heedle. But, you know, his time's going to come. He's going to produce eventually. And, you know, maybe these first few seasons have kind of made people realize including alexi himself that the nhl isn't an 18 year old's league you know like it's tough to produce at that age and sometimes you just need a year or two to kind of light a fire under your ass to to begin to start scoring so i thought that was a good pick lafreniere at at 15 and that's who i would have went with as well hmm. number 16 uh you know, back on the on the crystal ball shit that we were talking about here. That's where I'm going to go with this next one. Uh, I'm going to take the first overall pick in 2021, and that's Owen Power. I think 
you know, you, you mentioned something about Lafreniere, and I agreed with it that he might have the highest ceiling of the last three first overall picks, and that includes uh, Uri Slavkovsky, uh, Owen Power, and Alexi Lafreniere. But I do think Power's ceiling is pretty high, and we're already seeing what he's capable of in the NHL. He's playing a ton of meaningful minutes already uh, in the league with the Sabres. He's been paired with Rasmus Dahlin on and off, which is just great to see. You absolutely love that for the kid. Uh, he's a massive mutant of a person. Uh, he, he can pretty much do it all as well. He's a guy who you know can play defensively which obviously you need out of a first overall pick defenseman he can play with a bit of uh of sandpaper and he can also put up the points offensively and i think eventually that that will come in the nhl so owen power is number 16 out of 20 of our first overall picks here what do you think about that one case yeah um I really don't know if this is the guy here or, or not. Like you said, it's crystal ball. I started thinking about how people are redrafting that draft class already and taking Luke Hughes over Owen Power, and that's after Owen Power's been playing in the NHL and Luke Hughes in the NCAA. So I think that's unfair. I don't like that one bit. I, you might think it's unfair, but I mean that's what's happening at the Athletic. That's what's happening at. Bleacher Give it three Report years is what I'm saying. Places. I agree. I'm not yeah. saying Luke Hughes is better than Owen Power, but. There's a conversation happening there, and there's a lot of people questioning it. Um, I also had a hard time taking Owen Power here because he just hasn't been doing it for my fantasy team. I, I don't know how the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres can lose 7-6 and Owen Power have no points when he plays 24 minutes. Yeah, The math. The math, Chad. It doesn't yeah. work. Doesn't compute. Um, but yeah, I, anytime you have a... Uh, offensive threat defenseman who's six foot six and 220 pounds um who can eat minutes 18 years old 24 plus minutes a game like yeah there's a lot of value here and he does have a ridiculously high ceiling so i'm going to be happy to watch him over his career because he is going to be linked to luke hughes for the rest of the his life so uh, yeah. i will be keeping a close eye yeah okay who are you taking at number 17 I, I guess I'll continue with the, the crystal ball and I'll go with Slikovsky. I, I don't know. Um, there's three guys here that I, you know, I don't really want to pick. So I'll go with Slav. 18 years old, another massive mutant of a human being. And I think that this guy is a, a, a pretty high ceiling himself. I think he's going to be a pretty good goal scorer in this league for years to come. Uh, it, it's kind of not happening quite yet. I don't know if they're utilizing him properly either. I would have kind of liked to see him come next year into the league, Same. but um, I, I still think that this is going to be a gamer and, and he's going to be a goal scorer and he's got the right attitude. And he's got to compete. And I think that he's going to be pretty hard nosed player in the league as well. So he might be one of those guys that you're kind of saying there's not many players like him in this league. And I think that there's some value in that. Yeah, fair enough. I I think that's an okay pick. Um, I had him at 18, not 17. So I guess it really, you know, we're, it's apples and oranges here. It's pretty close. But Slavkovsky, I think, um, you know, his ceiling is there. And we've seen what he can do, you know, at the Olympics. Uh, we, we saw what he was able to do. Um, the sample size before his draft was a bit concerning. And we talked about that on our draft episode. So far in the NHL this season, he's been okay. I think he has like four points or something. Um, that's more than Shane Wright, who just got sent down to the AHL uh, through a loophole. I don't know if you saw that. Do you see that, uh, what Seattle did? Yeah. Sent him down. loan or whatever. Yeah, if he scratched for five straight games or whatever, you can loan him to the AHL. Despite the fact that, you know, players from the CHL, if they're sent down, they're supposed to go to the CHL with this little loophole. I thought that was genius of Seattle to do that. Um, going back to Slavkovsky, though, I, I can see it. I can see the production there in the future. Um, I hope they figure it out with him, where to play him and, and kind of how to utilize him. Because you're right, he is kind of a unicorn in the sense that he's a big body, but he also has some pretty nasty hands and he's talented with the puck. Um, he just hasn't put it all together yet. I think he was rushed into the league a little bit. It's not his fault. Um, he has a good career ahead of him. Uh, at number 18, a guy who I was going to pick in front of Slavkovsky just because he's proven more. He's been in the league for a long time and he's been a consistent uh, point producer. 
and decent uh, in his two-way game, despite what you may think or, or what expectations you may have of a first overall pick, uh, I'm taking Ryan Nugent Hopkins at number 18. I think he's been a solid NHLer. Um, you would have liked to see more offense out of him over his career but you know what he's a 60 point guy or so and uh he's been pretty steady in in uh edmonton as a two-way guy so i don't mind that pick at 18 uh what do you what do you think of nuge at 18 out of 20 i mean i didn't have too much thoughts when it got down to this (laughs) this late in this draft to be honest uh, i actually had him at 19 so okay we we respectfully disagree here i actually have eric johnson over him okay. um i mean we started talking he started saying like he's proved more well i think eric johnson's been in the league longer and has been consistent throughout his whole career and has won a cup now so yeah um i had eric johnson higher he's a defenseman that also has logged a ton of minutes in his career and um still kind of produces sneakily has 333 points in 873 games and he's he's been the guy that they they've looked to to play the tough minutes you know give Makar a break let's let eric johnson play against the top line yeah fair enough okay so that leaves me at number 20 and i have to pick none other than nail yakupov first overall in 2012 currently playing in the khl i believe um had a stint in the nhl a couple teams gave him a chance never worked out devin dubnik actually who was a former goalie for the oilers when yakupov was there was quoted the other day as saying yeah he was an idiot nail yakupov was just an idiot i don't know the context of the conversation but he was quoted as saying that i thought that was pretty funny and timely uh given that we're talking about yakupov on this podcast but yeah he's the 20th out of 20 um probably the biggest bust ever maybe as a first overall pick alexandra Degg is there too and those two uh you know both never really panned out unfortunately for their teams but uh let's just say the oilers are happy that out of the four first round picks or first overall picks on this list that they've had um you know at least a couple of them worked out so <laughs> but two of them were the last two picks nail yakupov was very much not one that worked out though no, I mean I don't need to say anything about Nelly Yakupov. It's it's all there. Um, I I felt fine. You know I may have dropped the ball, and I wish I took Jack Hughes, and uh, maybe Darlene was early, but I still don't have Nelly Yakupov on my team, so I don't know how my team can't be worse. <sighs> I know we we knew that. Like that's why it would have been better if Harp was on this episode because then it would have given a little bit. Uh, more variety, I guess, for who got Nail Yakupov. But anyways, that's our list. Um, that Those are our lists, I guess, our, our two respective teams after drafting uh, the most recent 20 first overall picks. So there we go. Thank you so much for listening to episode 148 of the Boys in the Booth podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth. 